Hey kids, Mandy here, and I wanted to personally invite you to join me for Cincinnati Song Initiative's first ever Fellowship of the Song, happening May 20th through 25th. In addition to a week full of amazing concerts, song workshops, and classes, I'll be leading some seriously fun study events on heartwarming topics such as murder ballads and exploring death through music and poetry. Should be a great time! (laughs) You can participate as an auditor, whether you come to Cincinnati in person or join remotely from your comfiest couch. And the best part is that all the week's events will be recorded for unlimited viewing through June 26th. So, what are you waiting for? Head to cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash audit to learn more about this groundbreaking new program for song. And I hope to see you in person or online. Oh, there's crows fighting outside the window. <laughs> they were just tussling about. A little crow tussle. Ah. <laughs> How apropos. Except it's not one single crow. It's a, it's a couple of them. I think they're friends. I like, I like to think that they're friends. <laughs> I feel like crows are too intelligent and smart to like to have believe, friends. believe in friendship. <laughs> Hey kids, and welcome to Follow the Leader with me, your host, Mandy Madrid Sikich. If you are a fan of the podcast, remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. And remember, if you like what we are doing on the podcast, tell your friends. And if you don't, then tell your enemies, because as I like to say, any publicity is good publicity. I'm hosting another giveaway. I'll be giving away a copy of Dietrich Fischer Dieskau's Book of Leader. All you have to do is write a review for the podcast and send a screenshot of your review to follow the leader podcast at gmail.com. I will announce the winner of our giveaway at the last episode of the season. Brand Zikich. You're here. Ta-da. <laughs> oh, you have your co-host hat on today. Indeed, I do. You actually do have a hat on. Always. It's cute. It looks cute. Generally, always wearing a hat. I like when you wear your hat backwards. Which is the only way I wear it. I guess you're right. You never wear a hat forwards, do you? Nah, it's not. What would that look it's like? It's not flattering can on I, the face. Can I see what that would look like? <laughs> Grudgingly removes his headphones. Oh, that's cute, too. Nope. <laughs> backwards, it is. It does look cuter backwards. Yeah. You also look like you're just, you know, too cool for school when you have it on backwards. That's not the intent, but uh, sure. You look like if, a cool guy. If that's the vibe like, I'm giving ooh, off. Like, ooh, I don't know if I can talk to him. He's too cool. His hat's on backwards. I don't think that's ever <laughs> stopped anyone from approaching me. Uh, well, if I didn't know you, it might stop me because you do look pretty cool. Oh, well, why, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> I greatly appreciate your service to the podcast. It's been an interesting journey, right? <laughs> it's been a marathon. <laughs> it sure has. And I honestly kind of thought it would get easier like as the year went on or that I would get better at podcasting. <laughs> I think, nope. you're, I think you're a fine podcaster. Well, I think there are like certain things that have become a little bit easier, such as setting up the microphones and those kinds of things. Well, that... You mean like today when the microphone wasn't plugged in oh, to the cord? Oh, shit. You're right. Yeah. 
<laughs> sorry, See, sorry. I told you. Didn't mean I, to, uh, yeah, didn't mean to I thought I'd be better at this by now. <laughs> but um, I, I just feel like at this point in the cycle, you know, it, it's pretty challenging because while I love all the research and all the writing, our wanderer now is really grappling with the darkest of the dark stuff. And I'm so excited to talk about it. But also, spoiler alert, it is a bit of the bump. It is a bit of a bummer as he deals with just like the ultimate depths of psychological anguish. So wait, like, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me there's a, a bummer ending in store? <laughs> are, are you alluding to, uh, to something that, I mean, I think we've all seen it, seen it coming. Yeah, yeah. But well, there's, there's no like silver lining or happy ending or there's no. I mean, honestly. Is there any redemption in any of this? I don't think so. Wow. Yeah, I think it's just going to keep getting just darker. Spiraling down. Yeah, we are. We're we're in that spiral, just straight to to the depths. Poor dude. Poor you us. Know. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today we are discussing two songs from Schubert's Winterreise. Winterreise from Schubert's Winterreise. Teuschung and Der Wegweiser. Yeah, I wasn't even close. When you tried to say that? Well, I didn't think it was going to be to- toy shung. Yeah. Uh, it's more of a tao, more of a... Well, but the A, mit umlaut, means that you say it oi. Toy shung. Yes. So today we will be talking about both toy shung and der Wegweiser. But first, I want to talk about dancing. Oh, yes. first married mm-hmm. how i used to drag you to dance lessons and then would drag you to these dances on the weekends. yeah oh i do <laughs> do you remember how we used to fight about it yeah i mean there was just a there was always a weird push and pull of like oh hey like i've i've come out and done this thing uh, and i've obliged but then there was always a threshold you always wanted to stay to the bitter end and i always wanted to go home because all the boys were on playing video games <laughs> So, so it was like one of those, yeah, like, which you know, it's like, there's that weird, there's that weird sense of like that 15 minutes where it's like the one person wants to go, but the other person wants to stay. Totally. And you kind of have to figure out a way to, you know, whereas now we're, we're pretty synced up on like, when you look over and you're like, you're like, hey, it's time to go. Let's go. You know, yeah, like we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're, we're pretty dialed. Yeah. Um, but back then on that topic, we were not. We were not dialed. <laughs> do you remember any of the dances that we learned together? Uh, did we do like foxtrot, tango, some salsa, some... Yeah, yeah, we did. Waltz. Tiny bit of tango, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I honestly love dancing and it is one of the great sadnesses of my life that when a sick beat drops, I don't have any fancy footwork to go with it. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, you know, it's funny. I actually will save off um, TikTok videos of people that are just showing like breakdowns of really simple dance moves, like things that you oh, can really? just have in your repertoire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I do feel like like I have the rhythm sort of embedded like in my DNA a, mm-hmm, li- a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is... Wait, I is that because you used to tap dance? Yes, probably. <laughs> as a wee child. I really want to learn how to shuffle dance. I really want that for you too. Yeah, and I really want to learn how to moonwalk. <laughs> it would oh. just be like cool to be able to like bust a move, you know? Yeah. Right? That's what I'm talking about. I think it might just raise my coolness factor enough that I might be able to talk to a guy in a backwards hat. <laughs> Throughout the ages, dance has been known to be a powerful tool for cultural expression. 
It's also been used as protest. In the American South, owners of enslaved people would command that a dance, known as a cakewalk, be performed on the spot. But what the plantation owners didn't know was that the enslaved people were incorporating subtle parody into the dance to mock the owners. It was safer to protest through dance than to refuse the command altogether. In the 17th century, the skill with which you danced was a reflection of one's social standing. It was said that good breeding demands that pleasing and easing manner which can only be gained by dancing. What kind of dances you were dancing said a lot about what kind of person you were. There were dances for the peasants and there were dances for the aristocrats. In would you would you envision yourself as a peasant dancer? Or oh, hundred percent. I'm dancing on tables. I'm like, you know, hoisting up my skirts. Not not in a sexy way, but hoisting <laughs> up my skirts like multiple. Well, you know, back in the day, they had like layers upon sure, layers of sure. skirts. Just lifting it all up. I'd be showing off my ankles so that everyone could see my fancy footwork. <laughs> Nothing like a glance of an ankle to, you know. Well, yeah, back in the day, yes, because women were covered like from head to toe. So if you saw an ankle, that was like, whoa. So the only, like that was a big fetish back then was ankles. A hundred percent. Because that's as high as the skirts went. <laughs> uh, in France, there was a lot wrapped up in the art of dance. King Louis XIV was obsessed with it. Apparently, he did anything he could to elevate himself, like fencing and vaulting. Anything to have the upper hand, because it was said that the state of France was literally embodied by its ruler. Everything about him had to be perfect, down to the sculpting of his muscles, because this demonstrated he was the ultimate power in the land and that he was ruling by divine right. One of the things he thought would make him absolutely flawless was dancing. He practiced for hours and hours each day with a dance master. He was also of the opinion that if he set up all these rules and dances that the nobles of the court had to memorize and follow to a T, that they would be too busy trying to remember their steps and to maintain their status that they wouldn't have time to plot to overthrow the government. That's such a like a diluted <laughs> know, thought right? process, right? Like, I'm just going to see if they dance. They'll be too busy. <laughs> it's like, um, I'm going to quote from an article, link in the show notes um, on this topic. Dance had been intricately bound up with court etiquette for decades, but under Louis XIV's watch, it became one of the most important social functions of the court. Nobles learned about two to four new ballroom dances a year, performing the social dances before dinner. At Louis XIV's court, a courtier probably had to keep some 12 dances at the ready, a considerable feat of memory in view of their diversity and complexity, writes Wendy Hilton in Dance and Music of Court and Theater. End quote. Uh, Louis XIV promoted ballet as well as a way to keep France at the center of European high culture. He thought it prudent to give other world leaders reason to admire France's achievements in art and dance. And I think that this is something the world still experiences the ramifications of to this day, right? If something's French where, you know, it's somehow loftier in our minds, like, ooh, that's from Paris. Has a sense of elegance. Yeah, for sure. In Vienna, there was another kind of dance preoccupying those who were fleet of foot. Can you guess what kind of dance it was? Uh, I cannot. Thinking, thinking, thinking. <laughs> I was watching I'm like your thinking eyes go through all my dances. I'm like, what? <laughs> Vienna? Uh, the polka? <laughs> Not yes. the polka. Not the polka. Uh, it was the waltz. The waltz? Yeah. Uh -huh. oh, okay. 
when you think of waltz, what pops? Oh, into your I'm mind? thinking like Beauty and the Beast and like you know flying around. That that's quite the waltz scene, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like gliding across. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very, totally. It's very smooth. Yeah, really elegant. You might think, oh, that's classy, right? Yeah, and and also a very. Um, I think it would be one of the most fun dances to spectate too. You're sort of like, even the music, Mm, very like waltz music always puts a smile on your face. Totally, totally. So you might be interested to know that the waltz was considered to be a forbidden dance because it was so scandalous. Oh, a little more handsy maybe? Well, exactly. So let me tell you what the situation was. Before the waltz gained its popularity, most dances were danced with the people moving around each other. There was actually very little to no contact. The current version of the waltz that we know was actually originally a peasant dance, but eventually gained acceptance by the upper classes. The problem was that it was too sexy, too vulgar. Because it required the partners be close to one another, religious leaders condemned it as sinful. Heaven forbid. Oh, heaven. The stakes were so high that some people were even threatened with death should they continue waltzing. The waltz was denounced from the pulpit, and Pope Leo XII even went so far as to ban it. When the waltz made its way to England, and then later the Americas, it was greeted with similar disgust for its licentious nature. Can you imagine if people back then saw, like, dirty dancing or something well, like that? I, that you know, like, the, like, it's it, times, times have changed. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the prevailing sentiment in the U.S. was similar as it was made clear in an 1835 edition of the Southern Literary Messenger. Quote, Can our beloved wives and daughters... Beloved, because still uncontaminated by foreign corruptions, can they suffer themselves to be continually whirled about in all the giddy, exciting mazes of the licentious waltz, like so many French or Italian opera girls, without impairing or losing all self-respect? End quote. This is from a Merriam-Webster article about band dances. An anonymous scribe writing the journal The New World in 1843 made an impassioned plea to parents whose children fell prey to the siren call of this whirling dance. If you wish to preserve in its freshness their modest innocence, suffer them not to waltz. So, needless to say, as you mentioned, I can't imagine what these people would have to say about the current day grinding and twerking we see just out in the open. (laughs) Obviously, we are aware of the transcendent popularity the the Viennese waltz eventually came to enjoy in the hands of musicians and composers, such as the waltz king himself, Johann Strauss. I mean, we now think of those, like, Strauss waltzes and those dances as, yeah, like, really elegant kind of affairs. And very formal, like, there's no promiscuity or whatever that you necessarily oh, yeah. like right? yeah. yes they're they're close and, and it can be dramatized right and i'm sure maybe and i'm sure you could dance a sexy waltz for sure but yeah. i think just our uh kind of standards for what what is considered licentious yeah, <laughs> yeah it, a waltz now seems fairly innocent very very tame very innocent but this gives you some perspective on dancing and how, in particular, the waltz was viewed during, during Schubert's time. Musicians and composers tended to be drawn to the dance form, and they gave it a sense of legitimacy. Schubert himself was known to revel in sitting down at the piano to play dance music. Though he did not dance himself, he truly loved to create the backdrop against which those around him would have the most joyous of times. Although I have to 
think that there were probably times where he was sitting at the piano creating the music for the dancers and perhaps wishing that he himself had had someone to dance with. Mm. There's a really funny story in an article I read. Uh, the article is called Between Toishung and Seligkeit, Situating Schubert's Dances by David Grammet. Um, there's, uh, this story occurred in approximately 1821 and is told uh, by the actor Heinrich Anschutz. I had invited a group of friends, including Schubert, too. Among them were a number of young ladies and men. My wife herself was still young, my brother Gustav an ardent dancer, and soon the conversation turned to dancing. Schubert, who had already given us a few piano pieces, sat down at the instrument himself in the gayest of moods and struck up for dancing. The whole company is waltzing round and round. There is laughter and drinking. Suddenly, I am called away. A strange gentleman wishes to speak to me. I go into the anteroom. In what way can I be of service, sir? You are having a dance? It could be called that. The young people are jumping around. I must ask you to stop. We are in Lent. What has that got to do with you, may I ask? I am Police Inspector X. Indeed. Very well then, Inspector. What am I to do? Do you expect me to send my guests home? I rely on your word that there won't be any dancing. When I returned to the drawing room with the bad news and mentioned the police, they all scattered in mock terror. But Schubert said, they do this to me on purpose because they know I like playing dance music so much. So there was definitely, uh, you know, this idea of morality that you would not be hosting a dance that had a waltz. And furthermore, you would not be hosting this kind of dance during Lent when you were supposed to give up these. It just wasn't the time for such behavior. Did you? I wonder if they kept dancing that night. I mean, probably. <laughs> so why is any of this pertinent to our episode today, you may be asking? Well, let me begin with a translation of our first text. Toishung. Delusion. A light dances friendly in front of me. I follow after it, across and diagonally. I follow it gladly and see in it that it entices the wander man. Ah, a man as miserable as I gives himself gladly to its colorful trick that beyond the ice and night and horror shows to him a bright house and a loving soul therein. Only through delusion is there a gain for me. Did you hear about the dancing? Diagonally? <laughs> yeah, don't you ever just <laughs> diagonally dance? <laughs> just cut off everyone on the dance floor? Right, so in a nutshell... In this case, it's like, it's a, it's a light that's dancing. It's, right. It's like flitting and floating. Yeah, yes, and, and we'll get into it. In a nutshell, our wanderer realizes that delusion is dancing before him and, and the only hope he has of winning, of gaining anything at this point is to believe the delusion. It's just oh, so tragic for him. But what's interesting is that Schubert really leaned into the dance and not the tragedy when he set this text and somehow that just makes it feel even more tragic than if he had said it as some over-the-top, ridiculously emotional song. So let's talk about the music. It's very much worth noting that the music for this song presents the only case of Schubert borrowing from himself within the cycle. In fact, it's the only case in all of his leader. 
The music for Teuschung is taken from the second act of his opera, Alfonso and Estrella, where Alfonso asks his father to sing him the ballad of the cloud maiden who lives in the mountains. She's encountered by a hunter who's astonished by her rapturous beauty. She invites him to her castle at the top of the mountains, but once they get there, she and her castle vanish, and the hunter falls to his demise. Leader lovers will, of course, recognize the cloud maiden as a laurel as a leader lovers will recognize the cloud maiden, of course, as a Lorelei type figure. Lorelei is a woman who waits in the woods and entices men with her beauty, and then uh-huh. sounds yeah. like my kind of girl. <laughs> well, usually she ends up killing them, or oh. they meet their destruction through her. So not my Probably not my not. type. It's a no-brainer why Schubert would have chosen this music for this text. The wanderer is aware that the light dancing before him is a trick. He knows it's not real, yet because he is such a miserable man, he gives himself over willingly to the trickery. He is willing to be tricked into believing there is a bright, warm house with a loving soul waiting for him inside. You can hear the light dancing about in the repeated octaves of the right hand. The dance is a bit crazed, especially the way I play it. Lols. <laughs> yeah. um, look, I've always thought that it should be a little crazy here because he is so ready to admit that he willingly believes a delusion. Um, so I've heard most people play this much, much slower than I do. Like a little more methodically or like uh, I just. Yeah, it just it's it's slower. And to me, it has a completely different effect like it loses that sort of crazed effect and also the time signature is in six eight which if you break each measure into two parts you can have the effect of a crazed sort of waltz like it it would be a very fast kind of insane Mm. waltz uh, with a feeling of within the feeling of the two beats per measure so almost as if there are two sides to reality so if you look at the bigger picture there's the two beats per per measure but if you look at it a little bit smaller within each measure you can kind of hear this neurotic waltz going on can you still do that if you're doing it slower i mean you could still see it that way it just would be a slower waltz um I, again, I've heard tons of people, very uh, pianists that I respect very, very, very much play this much slower. Uh, but that's just not what resonates with me. And at this point in time, in 10 years from now, I might say, you know, the tempo of my youth really was a bit too fast. <laughs> <laughs> Dial down the zany. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, at this tempo, it, it's all just a, a little bit wacky. Freundlich vor mir her. Ich folg ihm nach die Kreuz und Quer. Ich folg ihm gern und seh's ihm an, dass es verlockt den Wandersmann. Did you hear the, the crazy waltz? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's in there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Also, I like how the vocal part has these little grace note flicks, like the flickering of the light. It gives the effect that we never truly know where it's going to dart to next. So, those sound like this. Mm 
Ein Licht tanzt freundlich vor mir her. Ich folg ihm nach die Kreuz und Quer. Ich folg ihm gern und seh's ihm an, dass es verlockt den Wandersmann. Yeah, it's totally like a light flickering. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. going this way and that. Well, that even kind of happens like with fire, right? It, it will like mm -hmm. dart this way, dart that way. You can never predict which, which way it's going to kind of be moving. There's a turn to the minor when he speaks about what a miserable man such as himself is willing to believe. Ach, wer wie ich so elend ist, gibt gern sich in der Unten lässt. He speaks about the ice and night and horror. The light shows him something beyond those horrible things. A bright, warm house with a loving soul within. Something too good to? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> this line was supposed to say... <laughs> this line was supposed to say, something too good to be true. <laughs> Which has a slightly different effect. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting to hear the words ice and night and horror. These terrible words and scary concepts are in juxtaposition with the merry dance setting. Tragically, he ends by saying the only way for him to win, to gain anything, is to believe a delusion. But I'm going to save that for the full listen. Are you ready? Let's do it. Here to sing Toy Shun is Dr. Tyler Reese. Freundlich vor mir her. Ich folg ihm nach die Kreuz und Quer. Ich folg ihm gern und seh's ihm an, dass es verlockt den Wandersmann. Ach, wer wie ich so elend ist, gibt gern sich in der Wunden lässt. Love that. It's such a strange dichotomy because it's such a sad song, yet it's a, it's kind of a bop. It's a little, it's a it little, is. it's fun. It's it, beautiful. It it's like is. flits and it floats. Yeah, it totally does. Um, and I do, again, just the genius of Schubert, right? Also, I'm wondering, do you remember any other song that we had covered in Winterreise that had like an illusion in it? Was that the little thing, the gaseous fog or whatever yes. that like would light yes. the, the blue flame? Well remembered. <laughs> a plus. Oh, Let me you. get you a sticker. <laughs> Please. Uh, now, actually, this session could be interrupted. I need a sticker uh, now. I'll, I'll have to dig them up. I have, I have them somewhere for my students. I actually stopped giving stickers out recently. I don't really know why. Wow. I'm not a fun teacher anymore. <laughs> uh, 
Have you, Actually, have I, there been mass protests? Yeah, I think I ran out. No, everyone's always like, it's okay. I don't need stickers. <laughs> and secretly they're dying inside. <laughs> I think so. Oh. Like, uh, where's my cookie sticker? Everyone loves a good sticker. Yeah, they do. Myself included. Um, yeah, so well well remembered. Uh, these two are often considered kind of like a, like sister songs, mm. almost like they create like this illusion pair, right? Where obviously they're not close to each other in the cycle, but they sort of carry on the same type of themes. Um, though the thing is about Irlicht, uh, that's the song that you're thinking of, um, that like was is an actual like phenomenon. It's just it gets right. interpreted differently. I think here he's truly just delusional and he yeah, yeah. It, there's there's nothing there, there's there. no reality here there, yeah. no there's not well with that i believe we can move on to our second song of the day let's get it dear Wegweiser, the signpost why do i avoid the roads where the other travelers go and search out hidden paths for myself through snow-covered rocky heights. I have indeed then done nothing that I should shun humankind. What foolish longing drives me into the wilderness? Signposts stand on the streets, showing the way to the towns, and I wander without measure, without rest but seeking rest. A signpost I see standing unmoving before my gaze. A road I must walk by which no one has ever come back. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, dramatic, right? Poor guy. Yeah. I think this is, oof, this, this is some difficult stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say the first, for the first couple lines, it sounded like me and Costco, where I'm just like <laughs> avoiding people, you know? Yeah, searching uh, out hidden paths for myself <laughs> like you see someone you know down one aisle and you're like whoop can't go down that one can't can't uh, engage in chit chat oh man an observation only brian sickage could have i love it i love it so throughout the course of the cycle we've seen him wonder while he wanders right do you remember any of these things that he's wondered along the way I mean, are we talking about him wondering about companionship, wondering about his heart, wondering about yeah, his, like, all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, all those yeah. things. He wonders why he missed the signs within the house, that, mm. that there was an unfaithful woman. He wonders if his heart sees its own image in the raging torrent beneath the ice, right? But here, finally, he questions the journey itself and the depths of his own motivation for being on that journey. What is it that drives him out into the wilderness? Why should he seek out the hidden paths, the places that other travelers avoid? I don't think Costco was in his mind. <laughs> but I will Correct. now always think of this song while in Costco. It's a phenomenal reference. I think he is finally reckoning with his decision to be out here alone on a path from which no one returns. The introduction begins and immediately we hear a familiar figure. Do you recognize those eighth notes? 
Is it plodding along? Yeah! Those footsteps we hear at the beginning of the cycle in Gutenacht when he was so determined at the outset. Well, those footsteps, they're back. Nowhere in the cycle is the connection between the traveling footsteps more evident. But so much has happened between the first song and this. He has endured so much hardship, so much psychological anguish. He is not quite the same man he was. He continues moving forward. We hear it in the footsteps, but he has been stripped of his vigor and determination and now forced to reckon with the immensity of the journey at hand. Yeah, they're heavy steps. Yeah. Also, this introduction provides a renewed awareness of extremes playing out. The last song, Toishung, was, was a dance. A dance with a merry melody that hid the tragedy within. But now we hear the mood outwardly and definitively darken. The dance is over and there is no illusion before him. Only the road ahead. I feel like this song makes that last song all the more powerful and potent. And the previous song then makes this transition all the more like... 100%, yes. Throughout, you'll hear the repeated eighth notes, but... In various manifestations, they take on new meaning. Let me play you some examples. thinking music (laughs) (laughs) it sounds to me like the musical manifestation of thinking like he's really trying his very hardest to reason through everything that has happened thus far on the journey i can almost see like all these experiences all these emotions all this processing it just kind of it just kind of comes to him in like should i say no you started speaking with your hands i know (laughs) i did i know the microphone was like oh wait yeah Um, but I can just see these these kind of ideas, all those things kind of entering his cranium, you know, one at a time. Like each one is almost like each droplet is almost like an, another thought and then another feeling and then another thought. And then and he's processing it all. A visualization that, oh, there's a bird trying to get in our house. Hey, bird. Um, that I think of when I'm thinking of thinking music and even mm-hmm. this this music is mm-hmm. all those memes where the people have all the equations <laughs> yeah. floating through like across their eyes. Oh Zach my God, Galifianakis, yes. like that is thinking music. If you played this with, with one you, of act, those you actually memes? should post that yeah. and put thinking music brought to you by Leader Nerd. Totally. It's yes, it is the musical manifestation of mm-hmm. that meme. It's just, it's all processing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there, there are repeated sections that are also in the major modality. Schubert works another one of his magical modulations into the major for the second verse where he explains that he has committed no crime, done no wrong that he might shun humanity. He continues on wondering what foolish desire it is that drives him out into the wilderness. Menschen sollte schein, 
admission of confusion, that section in the major, where he truly wonders what this thing is that has compelled him to be out here. Graham Johnson points out the strange irony that while the traveler contemplates the lack of logic in his decision to seek out solitude and the paths no one else travels, it seems that perhaps the wanderer is at the mercy of fate. It is fate that decides his course for him. Fate has sealed him on this journey, on this path from which no one returns. And uh, nothing like a little case of existential dread concerning predestination to get it going on a Thursday morning. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Heavy. <laughs> uh, and here's the thing. I honestly, I don't know if I if I buy that, that he's just subject to the whims of fate, that, that he doesn't have a choice. But sometimes I wonder if maybe that's just my ego talking. I want him to have truly chosen this journey for himself because he wants to be out there. But does he only want to be out there in the wilderness because of what happened to him before the cycle even began? I think that there's part of me that does not want to accept a reality uh, in which he's at the mercy of circumstances and environment, right? Like it just hits a little too close to home. So if that's the reality for him, who's to say it's not the reality for all of us? And there's definitely a part of me that wants to believe that I'm scrappy enough, right, to rise up and change my destiny, my destiny no matter what happens. But if I'm honest with myself, there's probably another part of me that realizes, wait a second, I really don't have any control <laughs> over this thing called life. <laughs> this is where the, the art and the, the music turn into uh, reality a little bit. Yeah, 100%. And this is what draws me back to the cycle again and again and again, but it's also what's making it challenging to wrestle with at the moment because it does hit close to home. It does make you question some of these existential things that sometimes are just easier not to talk about. It's just kind of easier to go about my day and do my work, you know, plan to get together with family and go on a bike ride and not think about what this all means and if I have control over any of it. We'll leave that to our wanderer, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll let him just marinate there in his thinking music. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he can sort some stuff out for us. In the third stanza, he speaks about signposts along the road, showing him the way into the towns. Weise stehen auf den Wegen, weisen auf die Städte zu. Und ich wandre sonder Mann. 
I love there at the end how um, he, when he talks about like seeking rest, but without rest. It's the bup, 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 bup. Uh, yeah, like yeah. The little rising but piece. Listen to when he says, Oh, sorry. It says where he says, Zucheru, where he's searching rest. How there's kind of this outcry, how he reaches up because yeah. it's, he's trying to reach for rest, but he never gets there. Also, there was another thing I was realizing as we were listening to that, the little da-da-da-da. I think that's the wrong, those are the wrong pitches, but... Um, those little guys it just struck me that those are like the the way he see he can see those little roads that are going off into the towns like he sees the off ramps right there and theoretically down one of those places would be the rest that he is seeking should he follow them but he continues without rest but seeking rest but without rest And that's what there are times throughout this where you kind of just want to shake them a little bit. And you're like, dude, just just try try something different. Try yeah. the opposite of what you would. But do. if he's at the mercy of fate, right? If he's like destined, if he's predestined for this, there actually is nothing he right. can do. Right. Uh, it's a mind fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's a total mind fuck. Um, then we see a signpost, or maybe I should say the signpost. It is unmoving as the traveler gazes intensely upon it. The signpost is showing him the road he must walk. Okay, that sounds faithful. (laughs) Right? (laughs) The road from which no one returns. Uh, Before I play it, I just want to say I had the incredible opportunity to meet susan ewens last week <laughs> i'm still screaming inside of just her. nerding out so hard <laughs> totally. it's great um and she showed me something that's so very cool in this song so you know how in a painting there's a way to draw two lines so that they kind of like move into each other and they they disappear into a vanishing like infinity point lines. right right so it gives the painting depth right she said that the piano part in this last stanza creates a musical version of that. The outside parts of the piano creep slowly inward to each other so that we can almost hear slash see the path the traveler must follow disappearing into a vanishing point in the distance ahead of him. as if the world is closing in on him until all that is left for him is this one single lonely road ahead. I just thought that that was the coolest thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What a genius way of describing that. I, I never, I don't think I ever would have interpreted a vanishing point, like pointing out the road that like vanishes in the distance ahead of him. I feel like that's the trifecta of, of art song where you have, Mm -hmm. you know, you have the, 
poetry, yep. you have the text, mm-hmm. and then you have the music, which it's doing its own things of mirroring right. meanings right. in that. But then if you also have like a uh, some sort of visual element yes. too that goes along yes, with yes, it. Yes, 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 And this one is actually like a, you, you could actually see that in your head yeah. and, and put it all together. It makes it uh, so compelling. Yeah. When you, ha- yeah, when you have all those elements like together. Like it really comes to mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. While the piano plays that vanishing figure, you can hear the voice thinking, 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 though there's no way he can think himself out of this path. It has been determined for him. The one road he must walk is waiting. Einen Eine Straße muss ich gehen, die noch keine ging zurück, die noch keine right like he knows this is this is what's ahead of him and i think he feels this sense of impending doom maybe (laughs) there's doom down that road (laughs) ah that's a feeling i I feel like it's happened so many times throughout but this one feels a little more final it does it does i think more imminent it's because it is the first time he's truly reckoned with why is he why is he on this journey why is this what he has chosen or why is this what has the path been chosen that has for been him. chosen yeah. for him? Yeah. Um, are you ready for a full listen? I am. It was funny. Also, when we were, uh, I saw a note in your text here that said, what a genius way of describing that. And at first I thought that was a, applying a, to you, applying to me. And then I was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. This was for Susan Ewens. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Well, I have to say, I am often quite surprised by the genius uh, take you have on things. <sighs> mm-hmm. Ge- genius status. Well, why? Thank you. <laughs> you might need to turn your hat around because uh, I don't know if someone that cool can also be that genius. <laughs> I now I need a sticker that says genius on it. <laughs> I'll just wear okay. it proudly. Yeah. Uh, so let's take a full listen.
Thumbs up from Brian Sickich. It's a good one. Right? It it really is. So much thinking music, as you like to say. <laughs> also, the the signpost uh, visually, like when I was looking at the music, mm. was much more prevalent. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. it was it was like, uh, yeah, much easier to to draw that connection. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's been talk about, and Susan Ewens believes that this is. This is the contemplation that this road is ultimately leading from death. What is it that no one returns from? It's death. Um, I, I, I think that there's part of me that wants to leave it open for the path leading to insanity as well. 
that that's something that no one returns from. But it does seem here that there's a finality about this, a finality that, that is comparable to death, right? Once, once someone is dead, once someone dies, once someone makes that step in the journey, there is no turning back. The ominous feel that this song uh, yeah, provides, I, I, th I think, is backup for that. Oh, gosh, I'm so glad that you were here with me today, Brian, to discuss this most important of songs. Not the most important, but a most important song. Do you know what I mean? Within the cycle, we can set something happened here. Something important happened to our guy. And I'm so glad that you're here today to witness it with me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for getting real on a Thursday morning. <laughs> and listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you just can't get enough Winterreise in your life, then you might want to try singing Toishung and Der Wegweiser with me. You can find me on YouTube as Mandy Madrid Sikich. Click on the Winterreise playlist and start singing. Remember that Follow the Leader can be found in all the usual podcasty places. And please, if you like what you hear, leave a review. It is the best way you can support the podcast. Follow the Leader is a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. You can learn more about their network of podcasts at cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at leadernerd. That's at L-I-E-D-E-R-N-E-R-D. -E -E See you later, nerds! Steve in there. Oh, that's so gross. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting you. That's really gross. She's beauty. She's grace. Uh. She is putting what? Something in her face? <laughs> Stuffing cereal in Stuffing her face. Stuffing cereal in her face. If you love this podcast, then you'll love the Song Cycle podcast, also by Cincinnati Song Initiative. Song Cycle introduces the coolest and awesomest leaders of the song world today and dives into getting to know them and their unique stories, where they think song in the 21st century is headed, and lots of other great topics. If you're looking for your next source of inspiration as you continue on your own musical journey as a song lover, look no further than Song Cycle with me, your host, Sam Martin. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join the conversation.